the help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Dafnun Zayin. We left off on Dafnun Zayin on Adalaf, 11 lines from the top of the Amid. We started to learn yesterday the sugya of Shoimer Aveda. If someone finding something lost does the mitzvah of taking it and looking for its owners, and until finding its owners, the person is going to be guarding it. Question is, is he in the category of a Shoimer Chinam? Or in the category of a Shomer Sachar. Rabbi holds a Shomer Avedis like a Shomer Chinam. Rabbi Yosef holds a Shomer Avedis like a Shomer Sachar. And as we spoke out yesterday, that both of them will be exempt if a complete accident happened and the article gets lost or destroyed. They're not going to be chayv to pay to the owner. Both of them are chayv to pay if they are grossly negligent. The difference between a Shomer Chinam and a Shomer Sachar is what were to happen if the article that they are watching got lost. Or if someone broke into their home and stole it. Geneva Va'aveda. A Shomer Chinam, being that he's not being paid to be a guardian, is exempt by Geneva Va'aveda. A Shomer Sachar, a paid guardian, is obligated to compensate the owner if whatever he was guarding got stolen or lost. Here, the Shomer Aveda, again, Rabbi Rabbi Yosef, Machlekes, whether a Shomer Chinam or a Shomer Sachar, and we are up to 11 lines from the top of the Amid, in middle of learning the questions that Rabbi Yosef posed against the opinion of Rabbi. Says the Gemara Eisvei, asks Rabbi Yosef against Rabbi from the following Braisa. The Braiser uses these words, Lo'olam hu the Shomer Aveda, is always responsible, until he returns it to the domain of its rightful owner. And the Braiser starts with the words, Lo'olam, forever, always. My Lo'olam, what does the Braiser mean by emphasizing and using the words Lo'olam? Is it not love? Afilu mi doesn't mean that he's always responsible. In other words, before it's returned to the domain of the owner, he's always responsible. Meaning, even if there was Geneva Vaveda, even if he was not a Preshaya. Shmami no, does this not prove Kishoymer Sachir Dami? Answers the Gemara. Amalei Rabba agrees to Rav Yosef. That the Baalechayim, that if the article that he found lost, that he's guarding, is a living animal, Kivan the Nakte Luhu Nigra. But I saw, since it developed the habit of taking steps outside, how did it get lost? It got lost because the animal went outside the owner, the, the domain of the owner. So when you find an animal, you have to be aware that this animal will easily get lost because once you get into the habit of, you know, stepping outside, it's going to continuously do so. And therefore, you have to guard it on a higher level of guardianship. And as Toysavis importantly adds, that if that is the case, Aveda is considered a Pshia, Geneva, for which this Braise is implying, Shoymer Aveda is going to be Chayev, is not a Fagana broken to the house. Uzrab is going to stand his grounds that he's like a Shoymer Chinam. But if the animal walked outside and someone stole the animal from outside the house, it's a geneva that happened after the Aveda. Here we consider the, the, the guardian, the one who's doing the mitzvah, a poishaya, because he should have known that the animal will attempt to wander outside.
And now we're going to have questions that the Rabbah posed against Rabbi Yosef. Eisvei, Rabbah le Rabbi Yosef. Again, going back to the, to the parsha Kiseitzei, in the mitzvah of Ashavas Avedam, the Torah says that Leisira Shoyrochicha, that you should not see the um, ox of your brother, Oy Aseyoy, or his lamb, Nidachim, Vihisalamtamahem, that they're lost, and you're going to make believe you didn't see them. The Torah says the words, Hashev Teshivem Leachicha. Now there's a double expression, Hashev Teshivem. Surely you shall return them. So says the Braisa, Hashev, Ainli Elobibesoim. Returning, you would think, is only valid if you return it to the home of its rightful owner. What about Liginosai? What about returning it to the garden? So I find an animal, and I know Chaim, it belongs to you, and you have a garden, and what happens if I put it back into your garden? Or Lechurvasai, if I put it into your destroyed building? Minayin, that that is also considered properly returned. Talmud Leimer says the Braisa, Teshivim, again the extra word, to teach you, Mikal Makayim, that however it is that you returned it to the domain of the rightful owner, that is considered properly returned. End of Braisa. Asks the Gemarim, my Liginasi Ulechor what type of garden, what type of destroyed building are we referring to? If we're speaking about a garden or a destroyed building, that the walls surrounding them are so strong that even an unusual wind cannot knock it down, it's a properly, totally secured area. So asks the Gemara Hainu Beisai. That's mamish, like the home of the owner. So why would we need to have an extra word in the trader to tell you that returning it there is considered returned? Of course it's considered returned. I'm putting it in an area, Chaim, that is yours, in which the animal can no way get out. Elot must be that for the Braisa to be telling us a novelty. The Braisa is referring to Ginosei She'edim Ishtamedes. That the garden is not totally secured. Yes, there are walls around it. There is a gate or a fence around it. And with ordinary winds, the gate will not be blown away or, you know, the doors won't be opened up. But if there's going to be something unusual happening, then that garden will become exposed. And likewise, the Luchur Vasei, She'enem Ishtamedes. Ah, and now says the Gemara Kashe, Shmami no, Dami. This proves that a Shoymer Aved is like a Shoymer Chinam. Why is that? So let's use the words that we had before regarding our subject of the owner of an animal being responsible if his animal does damage. So we had the word Shmira Pachusa Shmira Ma'ula. We were speaking about an owner of an animal guarding their animal on a lesser level of guardianship. It's called Pachusa. And then we have guarding your animal on a superior level of guardianship. And how do we explain that? We spoke about a person who has, let's say, you have a backyard and you have a fence around it and the fence is closed with the door and regular winds cannot blow the door open. Nevertheless, it's called a lesser level of guardianship because an unusually strong wind could blow it open. Now, what is my obligation? Do I have to only provide or afford my animals a Shemitah Pachusa? Or am I obligated to give my animals a higher level of guardianship? So we learned before that a Shemir Chinam gets away with only the lesser level of guardianship. After all, he's not being paid to be a guardian. He's doing a favor. 
Someone who's being paid to be a guardian has to afford the higher level of guardianship. The fact that this b'raisa seems to be implying that a shmira pechusa is enough, that's because apparently a shoymer aveda is like a shoymer chinam. That's a proof to Rabbah, a question against Rabbi Yosef. So Armalei answers Rabbi Yosef, I'll tell you that this b'raisa is speaking about liginose hamishtameres. This b'raisa is speaking about ulichurvasoi hamishtameres. That you have to return it in a garden or in a destroyed building that has the superior level of guardianship. And you ask the question, well, what's the novelty of the b'raisa? Why would we need an extra word in the Torah? Of course, it's considered return. Hakam Ashbalan explains Rabbi Yosef to Loi Ba'inan Das Bailim that for you to fulfill the mitzvah of returning the lost article to its rightful owner, you don't need to have the owner aware that you returned it. In other words, when there are other areas in halacha, for example, if a person, God forbid, Reuven stole from Shimon, and now Reuven is doing tshuva. So Reuven wants to return that which he stole to Shimon. Here he has to let Shimon know that he returned it. Reuven cannot simply drop it off in his house and shalom and is off the hook. Here, being that you didn't take it against halacha, you did the greatest mitzvah of taking it off the street and looking for the owner and returning it, you don't have to tell the owner you're returning it. So the example the Braise gives is that you are returning it to his garden or to his destroyed building. In other words, he doesn't know that it's there. And this collaborates or if a person is a robber or one of the four guardians, when they return, says Rashi, whatever it is that they are guarding or renting or borrowing, they have to notify the owner. And the only exception is Chutz Mashava Saveda, that when you return a lost article, you don't have to notify the owners. Why is that? Mamish, like we learned in the Braisa, because the Torah uses the extra double expression, Hashav Teshivim. Torah could have said, return it. Not return it, you should return it, to tell you that any sort of returning it is valid. Asks don't you hold that a shaymer aveda has to be like a shaymer chinam dummy? I'll tell you why you have to hold so. In the name of Rabbi Echanan, if a person, while he or she is a shaymer aveda, if later when they find the rightful owner, they tell the owner, listen, we had your article, but before we had an opportunity to return it to you, some thief stole it. The din is that if they are lying then the traitor, and they swore that it was stolen from them, mamish, like in the parsha of Hashemir Chinam, Mishalam Tashlumi Kefal, ultimately when they do tshuva, they have to give back to the rightful owners not only what they took, but they have to give back what they took plus double. So if what they, what they found and they denied wrongfully was worth $100, they give that back, plus $100. Now this is the din of Hashem Erchinam. If Hashem Erchinam claims that, you know, I was watching your article, it was stolen from me, the person swears, and then they are proven to be liars, they have to pay back double. Hashem Erchinam, who makes such a claim, will never have to pay back double. Why? Because if Hashem Erchinam says, listen, I was guarding the article, that you paid me to guard, it was stolen from me, Bezin is going to tell the Hashem pay back. 
They'll never have to pay back double because they never exempted themselves by claiming Geneva because they're higher for Geneva. So therefore asks the Gemara, we are taking for granted that everyone holds of this din. However, like we just explained, if a Shemir Aved is like a Shemir Sachar, and he is claiming and swearing that it was stolen, so what? That never exempted him for him later to be chayv to pay double. He has to right away pay the Kedem, the principal, because you're chayv, according to Rabbi Yosef, for Geneva. So that Lachur proves that a Shemir Aved is like a Shemir Chino. So Amar Lei, to which Rabbi Yisif responds, Let me tell you, a Shomer Aveda is like a Shomer Sachar. However, when they make a claim that it was stolen from their homes, they're taking a to pay back the principal. And there's never going to be an obligation to pay back double. But Kegoyin should tell Yantinus list the Mizuyan, that he's claiming that an armed robber stole it from me. An armed robber is a scenario that the Gemara is claiming that even a Shomer Sochet is not liable to pay back. It's in the category of an Oynas. You see, the whole reason why Geneva Vaveda is Chayev is because you can tell the owner, had you secured your home better, a thief would be unable to break in. But here, armed robber, you can't stop an armed robber from coming and robbing you. It's in the category of Oynas, and therefore he claims something that would have exempted him, and now, if he's found to be a liar, he pays back double. So Amar Lei asked Abaya, list the Mizuyan. If you're speaking about a list of Mizuyan, there, a, a armed robber should be in the category of a Gazlon. Let me explain what that means. There are two types of thieves. One is called a Ganif. We'll say that in English, a thief. And one is called a Gazlon. A Gazlon means a robber. The difference between them is, a Ganif is trying to steal in a way for no one to catch him or her. They're hiding from people. They're going at night. They break in when no one is home. A gazlan is someone that in front of everyone robs. What's the difference between them? Only by the ganav does the Torah say that the ganav, when he wants to do tshuva, or if he's caught by witnesses, needs to pay back double. Why is he being penalized? Because you, by hiding from people and stealing, you're doing a double wrong. Number one, you're stealing. Number two, you're showing everyone that from God you're not afraid. You're stealing. But from human beings, you're afraid. A robber, a, gan- a gazlan, someone who steals out in the public, it's a terrible thing. But at least he's not making God, so to say, less important than people. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. There is no penalty for him paying back double. We understand that a shomer, in our case, a shomer Aveda or a shomer chinam, who swore that it was stolen, that later has to pay back double, that's all because they claimed that Geneva happened. And by Geneva, the trader penalizes the Ghana by paying back double. Over here, if you are explaining that he would have been exempt, even though he's like a Shemir Sachar, because he claimed he, there was an armed robbery, okay, you would be exempt. But on the other hand, why is it that if you're found to be a liar, they have to pay back double? By a Ghazlan, by a robber, there is no penalty of double. Answers the Gemara, the last line of the Amr, Amr Lei, Sha'ani Oymet, I will tell you that list the Mizuyan, that an armed robber, Kivan the Mitamer Me'inshi, he hides from people. Yeah, the armed robber does not hide from his victim. But an armed robber that we are referring to are people that are trying not to be seen by everyone else. So he's still in the category of a Ganif that he has to pay back double either. You know, if there's witnesses that caught in, or in our case, that he swore falsely, and later he himself admits 
he has, he has to pay back double. And that's something that the Gemara is going to challenge. Because we want to know whether an armed robber is in the category of a Ganif that has to pay back double, or is an armed robber in the category of Stama robber because he was not afraid for the victim. He came to the victim straight on. But you know, today it's common, even an armed robber, you know, they wear a mask or they, 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 it's not that they're completely out in the open. That's the question whether they have to pay double or not, says the Gemara Eisvei. The Gemara is going to challenge against the Rabbi Yosef, who holds list the Mizuyim is like a Ganif from the following Braisa. Turning to the Afnon Zayin the base. Now, what is this Braisa referring to? So the din is like this. So Rashi says, the Ftap Rashi, that this Braisa, he doesn't know what word this Braisa, he doesn't know the context of this Braisa. Toysvah speaks out the following. There is a law that any custodian, even the one that's the least responsible, which is a Shemir Chinam, if they misappropriate the article that they agreed to watch. Watching or being a custodian means by default that the custodian will not make use of it. Using that which you are watching puts you in the category of a borrower. That's called a borrower. Can I borrow your thing? If you, the owner, asks me to guard it, it means that I am not going to do anything with it other than guarding it. The Torah tells us that if the guardian was which means if they used it, not using it by damaging it, if they used it without permission, from that moment onwards, even if an oinus happens, they're going to be chayv to pay for the damages. It's almost as if you misappropriated it, now you own it. And now if something happened, it's your loss. You have to ultimately return to the owner the value of that article. Now, we find this din of shlichus yad, upping the responsibility, both by Yashemir Chinam and by Yashemir Sachar. And this is what's troubling the Braisa. Why would we need for the Torah to tell us this din by both? The Torah telling us that if you're Shaleh Yad by Yashemir Chinam, you're higher for Aynas. Then you would have a Kalvachimer, a Shemir Sachar, that to begin with was already more responsible, for sure he would be chayev by shlichus yad. Why did the Torah have to teach us the din of shlichus yad also by the shomer sachar? That is the context of the Braisa, and the Braisa is explaining the kalvachaymer. Loi, there is no kalvachaymer because if the Torah only would reveal the din of shlichus yad by the shomer chinam, I would argue. Do you know why from now on, even if an oinus happened, he's chayev to pay back? Because we find the stringency by Shemir Chinam that we do not find by Shemir Sachar. If the Shemir Chinam claims that it was stolen from him and he takes an oath, and later we discover him to be a liar, he has to pay the owner back double. Kefal. You don't have the stringency. Because if a Shemir Sachar claims it was stolen, he's not off the hook to begin with. You have to pay back regardless, the principle. So since we found one area in which a Shemir Chinam is more stringent than a Shemir Sachar, therefore the Torah needed to be Megala, needed to tell us the Din, the Chumrah, the stringency of Shlichus Yad, both by Shemir Chinam and by Shemir Sachar, and of Raisa. Asks the Gemara, Ganafu, if you Rabbi Yosef are right, and even a Shemir Sachar can put himself in a corner where he will have to pay back double, so now, you're back to the question, you cannot refute the Kalvo Chaymer, you have a proper Kalvo Chaymer, why did the Torah have to tell you by Shemer Sachan that if you're Shalei Achyad, you're Chayv even for Aynas? 
So Amar Lei responds to Rabbi Yosef, Hachika Amar. Even though, yes, you are right, there is one scenario in which the Shaymer Sachar, by claiming Tainus Listamazuyim, will ultimately, if he's lying and swearing falsely, will have to pay back Kefal. But that's only in that limited case. But in all the other cases of claiming theft happened, the Shaymer Chinam will be more stringent than the Shaymer Sachar. Loi, Ima Marta Bishaymer Chinam. Anytime he claims theft and he takes an oath and later we discover him to be a liar, he'll have to pay back double. I'm standing my ground. There is one scenario that a Shemir Sachar will have to pay back Kefal if he claims that he, you know, there was an armed robbery. But that's only in the case of an armed robbery. But in all the other cases of claiming theft, the Shemir Sachar has to pay back the principal. He'll never have to pay back double. So by there, we do see that a Shemir Sachar in one area is more lenient than the Shemir Chinam, which is why the Torah had to tell us, both by the Shemir Chinam and by the Shemir Sachar. The Gemara is still not happy. Eisvei, again, we are challenging Ravi Yosef, who holds that a person who claims that there was an armed robbery, a list in the Zuyim, that's for sure he's exempt, it's an oinus. But if later he swears and he's proven to be a liar, we will demand of him to pay back double, because we still put that in the category of a ganov, because the armed robber didn't want to be seen by other people, I'm going to challenge this from the following b'raisa. This b'raisa is going back to a pasuk in Parshas Mishpatim, that's speaking about the din of a borrower, that if a person borrows an article from his friend, the din is... And we're reading inside the Pasik that even if the Nishbar, if an animal broke a bone, or if the animal died, this is completely an oinus. The, the borrower was not negligent. He was not even slightly negligent. The animal died. The Torah says that Shalom Yishalim, if the owner was not with him, he has to pay back even for oinus. Period. That's the Pasik. Says the Braisom, From here we see that a Shoyal is obligated to pay an oinus. How do we know that if, while he was borrowing the article, someone stole it from his home, or it got lost, how do we know that he's also responsible? So to which the Braisa answers, When it comes to a Shemir Sacher, that if an oinus happens, the paid guardian does not have to pay back. Nevertheless, the Shemir Sacher does have to pay back the owner if he lost it or if it was stolen from his guardianship. As we just read the Pasik, is for sure. And now the Braisa adds, look at these words. And this is a Kalvachimer for which you can't refute. Says the Gemara. If we're going to consider an armed robber in the category of a ganif, why are you telling me not only do you have a kavuchaymer, but you can't refute it? I have a refutation. It might not be the greatest refutation. It might not actually knock down the kavuchaymer, but it's a refutation. What will be the refutation? Being that if the Shemir Sacher were to claim that he lost the article because an armed robber stole it from him, 
In such a case, the Shemar Sachar would be exempt. However, let's take it further. Like Rabbi Yosef says, if he takes an oath that a list of Mizuyim took it, and then we discover him to be a liar, then the Shemir Sachar has to pay back to the owner, not only that which he was trying wrongfully to take away from him, but double. That will never happen by Yeshoyal. Why? We just learned the Pasuk. That even if the Shoyal claims that an accident happened, let's say he claims it was a list of Mizuyim, he will never be exempt. He'll have to pay back the principal to begin with. But the leniency will be is that he'll never have to pay back double. So you, again, you find in one limited area that the Shemir Sachar is more stringent than the Shoyal. So how can you say that there is no refutation to Rakal Bukhaymer? You're telling me that the Shemir Sachar is a Kal and the Shoyal is a Chamur? Here I found you a case where the Shemir Sachar is the Chamur in the case of Kefal. Amr Lehi responds to Rabbi Yosef, Kosovar Haitana, this Tana holds, even in the case that you just painted, if a Shoyal is going to claim, list the Mizuyim, Yes, there is no kafel if he lies falsely and he's proven to be a liar. But in all cases, even when he claims list the mezuyim, he has to pay back the principal. You can't say that the Shemir Sachar is more stringent because he might end up having to pay kafel. No, being that the Shoyal always has to pay for Oynas, our Tana holds that a person who always has to pay back the principal is viewed as someone who's more responsible than someone else that gets away from paying the Keren, even though if that person is lying, in that case, he'll have to pay back double. The Shoyal is always more Chamur. The Shemir Sachar is always more Kal. And you have a Kal V'chaymer that does not have a Pircham. Another answer says the Gemara. Uh, says the Gemara now, that Levim is now I'm going to substantiate Fakert, the din of Rabbi Yosef. That what? We learn in a Braison, that we're going to prove now the opposite, that an armed robber is in the category of a Ganev. On one hand, it's a Oynes. On the other hand, if a person falsely swears that he lost that through an armed robbery, later that person will have to pay back Kefal. It says in we're learning a daf mamash from Bava If a person rented a cow from his fellow, now we already spoke out many times that the din of a renter is subject to a machloikas tanoim. So the Torah clearly speaks about Hashem Erchinam. The Torah speaks about a Shemer Sacher. The Torah, as we just mentioned, speaks about a Shoyal. What about a renter? Machlekes that have been made in Rabbi Yehuda. And not that long ago, we already learned that there's actually two versions as to which Tana says what. But the Machlekes is whether we view a renter like a paid guardian, like a Shemer Chinam, like a Shemer Sacher, or whether we view a renter like a Shoymer Sacher. Is it a paid or an unpaid guardian? In other words, is a renter going to be responsible if they lost it or if it was stolen, like a Shoymer Sacher, or will a renter be exempt of? So it says in a price if a person rents a cow from his friend and the Nignava Geneva happened, and the renter, the renter says, you know what? I know that's what it appears. That if I'm going to swear that it was stolen, I won't have to return anything. I don't want to swear. I'll pay you. I don't want to swear. I'll pay you the money. And he paid the money to the rightful owner. What happens if it was taka stolen? And later, we find that article. We find the ganef. 
Now, what happens if someone steals? To whom does he have to return double? To the owner. Who's the owner? It's a great question. Because had the renter sworn it was stolen and Basin would tell the renter, you're off the hook. So who bared the loss? The real owner. Now that they find the thief, the thief has to give back to the real owner whatever they stole plus double. Over here, the renter could have exempted himself. That's the way it impl- that's, that's what this Abrais is implying. He didn't. He says, I'm not swearing, I'll pay. So the owner walked away, and the owner, the owner did not get back the cow itself, but the owner got the value of the cow. Now that they found the thief with the cow, without the cow, says the Ibrahim, that Mishalem Tashlumi Keful that you return the principal plus Keful to whom? To the renter. Now, what does, like we are saying, what does all this imply? That had the renter sworn that it was stolen, he would have been exempt. That's his whole point. I don't want to swear, I'd rather pay. He had such an option. Which means that this Tana holds that a renter is in the category of a Shemir Chinam. A Shemir Chinam is the only one who gets off the hook if it was stolen. That's point number one. Now, very importantly, Savrua, the ones who were trying to prove from this Braisa, that Rabbi Yosef is right, that an armed robber is like a Ganov, not like a Gazlan, that an armed robber has to pay back double if they catch him. We also hold that the din is like Rabbi Yehuda, which is that a armed, that a shoimer, that a renter, the Amr, that a renter is like a shoimer Sachar. And Tresfus says, why would we think that this Braisa holds like Rabbi Yehuda? When it right away poses the difficulty, it appears from this Braisa that had he claimed and sworn Geneva, he would have been off the hook because the halacha is that a renter is like a paid guardian. That's why we're leaning in that direction. So we thought that this Braisa holds like Rabbi Yehuda, that according to most versions, holds that a renter is like a Noisa Sachar. And now we have to explain the Braisa. Now what's the whole case? That the renter is telling Basin, I could have gotten off the hook, but I don't want to swear. How would we get off the hook? A shoimer sachar is high for Geneva. So it must be that even though he's like a shoimer sachar, there is one type of claim that he could have made that would have gotten him off the hook. What would that be? That an armed person stole the cow. I was, I was armed robbed. It was an armed robbery. Mechlal the iboya now, one second. And hey, Chidami, what case would that be? Kigoyim, that he could have claimed Tanis Lista Mizuyim. Okay, now what happened? He, he didn't make that claim. He didn't want to have to take an oath. He paid the owner the money. Then they find this armed robber. That's the way it appears. And the Braisa says that the armed robber that has to pay back double doesn't give it to the original owner. Now you give it to the renter because the renter already paid the original owner. So clearly you see, like Rabbi Yosef, number one, an armed robber, no one is debating that, that's called a complete accident. But the ikr is, is that if the armed robber is caught, he has to pay back double. is like a ganeth, and he has to pay back double. Says the Gemara Omni, they are, we couldn't refute Rabbi Yosef, but you can't prove it from this Braisom. Because me, Sovrat, why are you holding that our Tana of the Braisa holds like Rabbi Yehuda, that holds Soichid is in the category of a paid guardian? 
true, like Tosefa says, that's the halacha, but so what? You can't say that all the b'raises that are not named follow that opinion. Maybe this b'raise holds like Rav Meir. Svidalei do Amar that Rav Meir holds. Looking for the bachov here. Ke shoymer socher, ke shoymer chinam dami. So it's a normal case. The renter could have said it was stolen, not armed robbery. Ganeth and Hashem Echinma would have been potter. This person doesn't want to swear and he goes beyond and he pays. So the Bryce is telling you if you find the Ganeth, a Ganeth for sure has to pay careful. That's one way of showing how you cannot prove Rabbi Yisim's dins from the Bryce. Iba Yisim, or I'll tell you, you know what? You want to insist it's Rabbi Yehuda. This is almost like semantics. Let it be like Rabbi Yehuda. But we already discussed that there is a Machlekes Amaroim as to what does Rav Meir and Rabbi Yehuda say regarding the Seichet. Kedemachlev Rabba Baravua Vitani that Seichet Ketzad Mishalim Rav Meir is the one that says Kishemir Seichet and Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says like Kishemir Chinam. If you want to insist that the Brais is Rabbi Yehuda, good, but the Brais is still holding that he is a Shemir Chinam and therefore the Taina that he could have had is a normal Taina of Geneva. Or Rav Zayda gives the best answer. Rav Zayda says, really, I'll tell you, the Brais is speaking about a Shemir Seichet. And, like we mentioned, everyone agrees that an armed robbery is in the category of anointness. So let's say a renter is like a Shemer Sacher. He's only exempt if there is an anointness. When the Braisa says that the renter said, I could exempt myself by taking an oath, it means that he could take an oath that he, the armed robber took it from him. And he would have been potter. That Rabbi Yehuda holds, Rabbi Zeyra Omar, between Tainas Listam Azuyim. However, Gavaldik, what, what, what happened at the end? At the end, he paid the owner the money. Then, witnesses found the thief. <clears throat> and you know what they discovered? They discovered that it wasn't an armed robbery. They discovered that the thief, Taka, broke into his house at night and took it. Aganath has to pay back Kefal. That is the case that the Brais is talking about. And the Brais tells you the Chiddush, that once the renter paid the owner, he, so to say, becomes the owner of the animal. And all of the penalties that have to be given are given now to the renter. So the kid said, Rabbi was not refuted, nor was he substantiated from this b'raisam. Moving on to the next case in the Mishnah. We're learning very important sugyas here. Says the Gemara, according to Mishnah, Nafla Lagina. We're speaking about a case where an animal fell into someone else's garden. And it happened in a way that we are calling an oinus. And we learned that when an oinus, if a person guarded one's animals properly, but they nevertheless managed to escape and damage, the owner is off the hook. However, if they ate, let's say if my animal falls into your garden, and it ate up some of your food items, even though I don't have to pay for what it ate, the Mishnah says, I at least have to pay that which it benefited. Which means, for example, let's say I need to feed my animal twice a day, and my animal, I serve my animal very cheap food, but uh, every meal costs $5. It ate up your produce that was worth $10. Being that I'm an oinus, I don't have to pay for the $10, but I, I at least have to pay for the fact that now I don't have to feed my animal another meal. So I have to give you the $5. Omarav, so Rav came and qualified the Mishnah, that you know when I have to pay Mashinah Enes, B'nech when the animal was struck by the produce, Dafka, not the case that I mentioned, not that the animal ate up the food, the animal fell, and the, the fall was cushioned by that person's produce. 
Now, I benefited that my animal didn't break its bones. That person lost that his produce got squashed, got ruined. That is where the Mishnah says that I only have to pay the owner of the animal what I benefited from. What is the Rabbah trying to say? That if my animal ate, then I don't even have to pay for what it benefited. Why would that be? Maybe that would back up, that would be a proof to the din that we learned in Daphne Zayin Amid Beis. What Rav said, now Rav's case there is very different than our case. Let's go back to the case of Memzayin. I have produce, and you have a backyard. And I bring my produce, me, the Baal Pedis, into the Baal HaChatzer without the Baal HaChatzer's permission. I put my produce in your backyard. Said the Mishnah, if your animal got damaged on my produce, I'm chayif to pay. Makes sense. I had no right to put my stuff in your backyard. Came Rav, and he said a big Chiddush. What does the Mishnah mean that the Balapetus is chayef to pay? It only refers to a case where the Balhabayas' animals tripped on my produce. I brought an obstacle into your backyard without your permission, I'm chayef to pay. However, said Rav, if I bring my produce into your yard without your permission, but your animal eats up my produce and it overate and it got ill, the owner of the produce does not have to pay. Why? Because the owner of the produce tells the Balabayas, who asked your animal to eat? In other words, whenever there's a mazik and a nizik, wherever the nizik is partially responsible, we say that that takes off some of the responsibility of the mazik. That was, now it's a chiddush. That's what Rav said. So the Gemara is asking this limitation that Rav says over here. That when our Mishnah says that the owner of the animal only has to pay Mashinahenis refers to when it damaged the produce because it fell in it and crushed it. And we are now understanding that Rav means to say that if my animal would eat up your produce, whenever I'm an oinus, I don't even have to pay for the produce, that is connected to the din that we just mentioned. And I'll explain how in a moment. Rav said, that the Baal HaPedis can tell the Baal HaChatzar, or the Baal HaBais, your animal shouldn't have eaten. Which means that we view the animal's eating as a choice that the animal made. Now let's apply this concept to our scenario that's completely different. Here, my animal ate up your produce. I'm the mazik. So I'm telling the nizak, my animal's eating your produce was a choice that my animal made. The more an animal has choice, the less I'm responsible for it. In other words, I, the trader views the animal an extension of me. That's because the animal is just an extension of me. It doesn't have its own uh, personality. The more an animal does something, so to say, on its own, the more it's on the animal. You want to get paid, go to my animal. By the way, we find this then by a cotton. If a minor, if a person's minor child does damage, you can't go to the father and get payment from the father by the letter of the law. The father says, I didn't choose to do it. My son chose to do it. The minor, obviously, is completely off the hook. So he's piggy and ra. So, uh, so we're trying to link Rav here and Rav over there. Both based on the fact that an animal's eating or not is an animal's choice. So Amri, they right away refuted that. And he said, how can you compare one case to the other? Where did Rav say over there in the case of the Balapetis and the Balachatzer? That the Balapetis tells the Balachatzer, even though I brought my produce into your backyard without your permission, your animal ate up my produce. I don't have to pay you if your animal got sick. Who asked your animal to eat? That is only said, says the Gemara Hecha, the Itasko, he, only where the animal is the one that got harmed. The animal got harmed, we're blaming the victim. You shouldn't have eaten it. Who asked you to eat it? The Matzi Amalei, 
Mare de Pere, because there the owner of the produce tells the owner of the produce, I don't have to pay you, because who asked your animal to eat? But over here, if my animal damages you, if my animal eats up your produce, but I'm getting off the hook by saying that my animal shouldn't have eaten. The, the, the damaged party is demanding payment. The petira l'shalum and never said that that's an argument that could be used to get me off the hook. Yavaldik. So going back, why would the Rav limit our Mishnah? Listen, our Mishnah is speaking about a case of an oinus. I guarded my animal. But oinus, my animal went into your garden. So normally we learn that if my property is that which does damage, I am putter if there was an oinus. Only Adam Hamazik is chayif. But the Mishnah is saying, well, you're putter to pay all damages, but you have to at least pay what you benefit from. However you measure that. Well, if that's the case, what difference will it be if the fall was cushioned or if it ate it up? If I'm chayif to pay at least mashanahenes, if my animal ate up your produce, I should have to pay at least, like I said, I, I have to feed my animal twice a day. Every time a meal costs me $5. My animal ate up produce that's worth 10 Okay, I don't pay for all the 10 Minus, at least pay the 5 Answers the Gemara Ella, turning to Daphne and Ches. The fact that, no, the oinus that gets me off the hook has to do with the fact that I did my part guarding the animal. The fact that if my animal damages, I have to pay is a chiddush. Because I didn't damage. The trader holds me responsible, however you'll word it, partially because Shaloi Shamar. As long as I can tell a basin, I guarded it, so I should really be off the hook. Elama, the Mishnah is telling you another thing. Even when you're off the hook, it doesn't mean you're completely off the hook. Okay? So whatever I am on the hook for, what difference does it make? If it ate it, if it fell at it, clarifies the Gemara, that Rav meant to tell you the opposite. Rav is saying, Without doubt, even when I'm an Oynes, and my animal, by a freak accident, somehow got into your yard, and it ate up your produce, even though I don't have to pay for the full price of the produce, for sure, the Mishalem is Mashanahenis. I benefited. I have to at least pay what I benefited from. And I benefited from your produce. Pay the guy $5. Abel, you might have thought, and now we're opening up the new sugya that will continue on Hashem tomorrow. This Nechbita, if my animal fell into your yard and it would have broken a bone, it fell in there. They were on two different levels. And what broke the fall? Your produce. You cushioned my fall. I would argue that maybe I don't have to pay you anything. Why not? Because you, the damaged party, you did the mitzvah that's called Mavriach Ari Menichsei Mavriach Ari literally means that if I witness a lion chasing Reuven, I have a mitzvah to protect Reuven. And all of my efforts that I make to chase the lion away, I cannot later go to Reuven and tell Reuven, pay me for my services. Because I did a mitzvah. So think about it. My animal fell into your yard. Your property cushioned the fall. You prevented my animal from breaking its bones. You did a mitzvah of protecting my property. So you should be in the category of a mavriachari. Again, the din of mavriachari is, is that the person who does the mitzvah of chasing a lion away can never demand payment. Because he did it for the mitzvah. So the Gemara now clarifies that Rav Dafke is saying that still you have to pay. So we're going to limit the din of Mavriachari, which is a very irrelevant din. So says the Gemara, so Ema, I would have thought that the Mazik tells the Nizak, the Mazik tells the damaged party, you were only a Mavriachari, and therefore, just like 
If you were to chase away my lion, you cannot demand money for the services. I should not even have to pay you for the minimum amount of money because you did a mitzvah of protecting my property. That even where there is a concept of Mavri Achari, we don't apply it to exempt them from paying. And why not? So the Gemara gives two very important uh, qualifications. And as Trace was, we're going to learn the way Trace was learns, you need both of them for you not to get money from a Mavri Achari. Number one, we have to clearly differentiate between services and damages. If I chase away, I see a lion chasing after the oven, or I see a lion going after the oven's property, the lion is going to eat up his animal, and I spend time and effort protecting my friend's animal, nothing happened to me. I didn't lose any money. Time, we're going to see many times, time is not viewed as money in halacha in this context. I provided the service. Now, yeah, people get paid for services. Here is where we say that when you provided a service to do a mitzvah, you cannot later collect payment. That's qualification number one. Let's not confuse, again, damage and service. In our Mishnah, you, the damaged party's garden, protected my animal, not by providing a service, by losing its produce. The produce cushioned the fall. The produce now has no value. That's damages. Damages is different. And number two, there's a huge difference between you choosing to be Mavriya Chari and you not choosing to do Mavriya Chari. When do we say by a Mavriya Chari you can demand payment? When you chose to do the mitzvah of protecting my property. You did a mitzvah, you'll get rewarded from Hashem. You can't come and later say pay me for the services. But over here you didn't choose to do so. The damaged party never says I'm asking to give up my produce to protect your animal. And like again, Toysva says, a Mavriyach Ari cannot get paid only when both are true. When he chose to be Mavriyach Ari and where he did not sustain damages. Toysva holds that if a person is Mavriyach Ari and while I'm protecting your animal from the lion, I get damaged, even when I chose to do so, I can ask you for the money of damages. Because I was only willing to provide my service. I never agreed to give up money for that. Let's read it inside. For the damages, for the damages, not for the service. Gavaldik. Let's read it. No, that's Gavaldik. He's a dinim. This is a fundamental din. It happens very many, very many din traders are based around this din. No, it's I do something and I'm claiming what I did was a benefit for you. Because of me doing X, Y, and Z, you know, you have this a lot in the technology sector. Let's, that, very good. So let's read it. These are the two qualifications. You needed to opt to do it, and it's only. Let, let's 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 read inside. When do we say that if you do the mitzvah of protecting someone else's property or protecting another's person, you cannot get damage? That's only if you provided them their protection as your choice. Means you had an option not to do it. You chose to do it. You chose to do it. The other party can say, you chose to do a mitzvah. Don't come to me, I should pay you for your mitzvah. Hi, lav midatri. Here, the animal fell into the neighbor. The neighbor didn't choose, I'm giving up my shrubs for your animal. That's criterion number one. Criterion number two, inami, and you need both. Even when you chose to help someone else, for which you cannot demand payment, 
that's only if the payment in question is for services. You don't have a loss. But over here, hi, Islaib Seder, you lost your, your, your vegetables. So whenever, even when you chose to do something, if later you sustain a loss, you can still demand payment. So let's word it in the other way. When can a person say, you were only Mavriya Khari? That's only if that person chose to do it. And the person had no loss, at least no monetary loss. So if I asked someone to write me a software, and they went ahead and they did beyond what I asked them, because they know that what I asked them would not leave me protected. And they wanted to keep my, tech, my computer more protected. So they spent another hour, now they want to charge me. Here is where I say, you are Mavriya Khari. You, you chose to do it. You didn't lose anything by doing it. Again, time here is not equated to money. Like a guy chasing a lion away, it's also time and effort. You provided the service. You provided the service knowing that you're doing something beyond what I asked because you're trying to help me. Good for you, you did a great mitzvah. God is going to pay you back. If in that hour, let's say a brick fell on his head and he incurred $1,000... That has nothing to do with what you were doing for me. That's a bad example. But if somehow, while you were doing it, however you'll give the example, and because of what you were doing, you sustained damage that you ask money from me. That shit, even though you chose to do it. That shit has Not everyone agrees with that. You see, this is a Gavaldika Sugya. Emirates Hashem to be continued.